Let us begin our sermon with prayer. Almighty and merciful Father, you freely forgive those who, as David of old, acknowledge and confess their sins. Create in us pure hearts and wash away all our sins in the blood of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Our text for our sermon is the Gospel history according to the evangelist Luke, as recorded in chapter 15, verses 1 through 10. To remind you of that account, I will read the first four verses. All the tax collectors and sinners were coming to Jesus to hear him, but the Pharisees and the experts in the law were complaining. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. He told them this parable. Which one of you, if you had 100 sheep and lost one of them, would not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one that was lost until he finds it? This is the gospel history of our Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, I received an email this week that made my pastoral and my brother in Christ heart leap for joy. A member sent me an email saying, Pastor, I think this is something we can do for evangelism, and I'm willing to help do it. That's quite a contrast often to our sinful nature, isn't it? Doesn't our sinful nature tend to look for opportunities to tell other people how they can serve us? I mean, we're self-seeking, serving, and we're very good at looking out for number one. But you know, one of the major fruits that comes from having faith is love, because God's love has been planted in your heart. And one of the greatest ways we see each other treating each other in love is when we say, I am your servant. Again, that doesn't come naturally to us. And this text, I have heard it in the past, used by Christians who actually their sinful nature is winning out. The congregation isn't serving them the way they want, so they start screaming out, you know, you leave behind the 99, which is really they're just trying to leverage to get people to serve them. So we're going to see the opposite of that and put this text in its context. Today our sermon theme is, The Good Shepherd Seeks the Utterly Lost. The Greek word used for wandering off and the lost coin are both the same Greek word, and it really is utterly lost. Now, to put this text in its context, we're going to go back to verse 1, which says, Now all the tax collectors and sinners kept on drawing near to Jesus. They kept coming to him. And he wasn't telling them, Get lost, you're sinners, get away from me. And so we're told in verse 2, And so both the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling among themselves by saying, This man keeps on receiving sinners, and he keeps on eating together with them. And remember, the scribes, they actually copied what we call the Old Testament, they copied it down. And because they copied it down, they were experts at it. <laughs> but, like the Pharisees, they thought they earned salvation by being righteous enough, right? So obviously, this would be wrong if, this guy, if Jesus was hanging out with sinners. And so Jesus tells them in verse 4, what man from your groups, the Pharisees and the scribes, he starts to point out right away, there's a certain care even you guys recognize you would give. Now, I'm going to skip the sheep and come back to them. I want to get to the second parable at verse 8. He says, Or what woman who has ten drachmas, is literally what the Greek says. A drachma was a day's wages. A hard-earned day's wages. If she were to lose one drachma, wouldn't light a lamp then sweep her house and keep on carefully searching until she finds it. So I have here a quarter. It is nothing compared to a hard-earned day's wages, but a drachma was a coin of its day. So I want to show you something, because this coin, it didn't get up and, and, and run off on its own. 
You know, like that song about that meatball, meatball that rolled off the table and onto the floor. This coin has no brain. It has no life. It's an inanimate object. Let me just set that there, okay? Well, see, that's how you lose it. It rolls away. So here we got the coin stop. Now, oh, oh, drachma, where are you? It's not telling me. It's hiding. Drachma, just, just come out and tell me where you're at. Just cry out so I can find... It's an inanimate object. And that really is a neat picture of us when we don't have faith. We are dead in our faith. And, and in fact, we are slaves to the devil in that case. Christians are confused if they think you can call out, give your heart to Jesus, just tell him where you're hiding. The woman has to light a lamp and search for it. And remember I said, this is a hard-earned day's wage. How did Jesus search for you? Jesus took on human flesh and he was perfect for you in your place. Endured every temptation that you and I fall under and he did not fall under them. How did Jesus search for you? Before he, the Father, and the Holy Spirit said, let there be light, he planned out your life. Now, if you're like me, he planned that you would have Christian parents who would take you to the baptismal font and with the word, I baptize the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and the water, the Holy Spirit entered my life, and I came to life. If you are not like me, maybe God had planned that you had a friend or somebody who would come with the word, and another friend who would come with the word, and the Holy Spirit entered your heart, and you became a believer. Now, a brain transplant has happened. The inanimate object is now alive. And yes, Christ sent somebody into your life to share the word and the Holy Spirit, as the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit planned, the Holy Spirit entered your heart through that word and gave life to you. So yeah, Jesus did a lot of searching for you, didn't he? And then we're told what happens when she finds it? What happens when you came to faith? Verse 9. And after she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me because I found my drachma, the one that I had utterly lost. I'm telling you that likewise, rejoicing takes place in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who is repenting. You were a hard-earned coin because Christ put in a day's labor for you, if you will, when he hung on the cross. That's after nearly 33 years approximately of keeping the law perfectly for you. But he bore the punishment for you. He spilt his blood for you to wash your sins away. And all of this culminates in telling us that there's uh, even the angels in the presence of God rejoice over one who is repenting. Now, the Greek word for repenting is that Greek word metanomoio. It means to have a change of mind. This coin can't change its mind to come out of being hidden, can it? That's why the Holy Spirit has to put the new person in you who's engrafted to Christ. And now you've had a brain transplant. You no longer think the same way that you did of sins. You say, wow, my Savior has redeemed me. And while I cannot help but to sin, that sinful nature's there. I don't want to. I will struggle with it. I will do my best to drown it out, not in order to earn salvation like the Pharisees thought, but because I am saved. I've had the brain transplant that means I'm alive because he's breathed into me. So now you are alive in Christ. So the tax collectors and the prostitutes, 
They recognized they were sinners. They were grateful to know they have a Savior. But the Pharisee and the scribe, in their condition at that point, they were like this inanimate coin. They could only resent the righteousness that Christ offered, the righteousness that saves, God's righteousness. The good shepherd seeks the utterly lost, the hard-earned coin that was lost. He paid for your sins 2,000 years ago, but he has come searching for you and he has found you. He has earned you. You are that coin and you are now alive in him. So what about those sheep? Again, going back to verse four, he says, what man from your groups, that would be the Pharisees and the scribes who thought they earned salvation, having 100 sheep and has utterly lost one of them, would not leave the remaining 99 in the wilderness and search for the one which was wandering off until he finds it. Now, I was kind of a strange kid. I enjoyed Wyoming. And when I was a teenager and in my early 20s, I often would hike out in the desert, literally in a desert known as the Red Desert. And there were times you'd get out there, and the sheep industry was not like it was when I was born, but you would find the sun-bleached bones of a dead sheep. What happened? They had a shepherd, made sure they were fed and watered, but what happens? Whoa, there's a clump of grass over there. Oh, if I go down into that valley, there's shade, it's cooler. Oh, the sun's raised over the valley I'm in, I'm getting hot. There's some water left on that rock over there from the morning dew. Eventually, you look back, and they've wandered so far away from the flock they can't find it. When I was a kid, then the coyotes, as it became emaciated, would take it down. Today, because we've reintroduced wolves, the wolves will just take it down even before it gets emaciated. And that's what the devil does. He lures us away. It's easy for us to start to step away from the word of God because of sins, right? We can say, I love this sin more than the word of God. It starts out just indulging and then indulging a little more. Or, or we can get worried and choked by the cares of this world. I'm too busy. I've got things I got to do. We don't realize, but there are so many ways in which we get enticed away. Having been part of the flock, suddenly we're not there. You notice that the good shepherd doesn't come along and say, oh, I, and, and really it's kind of neat because the Greek word is he's walking around, he's searching everywhere for it. He like that woman, he's putting a lot of work into it to find this. But what happens when he finds it? Does he kick it and say, you need to get to church. Come on, you get back there. That's how the law works, doesn't it? You stop being such a sinner and you start coming to church on Sunday. The law kills us, brothers and sisters in Christ. He picks it up and puts it on his shoulders and carries it back. How many of us can't say that at one time we were that sheep wandering away? I've been privileged to come to people even in their 90s who had wandered away for 80 years. And through brothers and sisters in Christ, God finally picked them up, put them on his shoulders, and carried them back. That's how the gospel works. That person who has quit coming to church because they have been offended by somebody else in the church. That person who's quit coming to church because they need to work on Sunday. Telling them, beating them over the head with the law, and yes, the law kills us, isn't going to bring them back. We literally, the, 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 the Savior uses you when you come and you put them on your shoulders and you carry them back. Hey, let me drive you 
to church this Sunday. Hey, let me come to your house because you're working and let's study the Bible together. Pick a night of the week. When you do that, you're the the good shepherd Jesus is using you to carry them back. What a privilege. And like I said, beating them over the head with the law isn't what's going to do it. They've wandered off. They need to be carried back. So I always get concerned when congregations have delinquents, you know, and they, they quit coming to church and they say, well, the Messer Schmitz haven't been here for a year. Time to vote to remove them. Somebody ought to send them a letter. That's the wrong attitude. It should be, and it rarely is. After a lot of work, we've all been carrying them back, but they just keep running back. This is no longer good stewardship. We need to. But it's very rare that happens, is it? That's the good shepherd carrying them back. And what happens when he brings them back? After he comes into his house, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, because I have found my sheep, the one that wandered off. And again, the Greek verb there that we translate as wandered off is the same one that's used to that coin, has become utterly lost. But in this case, the verb is not passive. The sheep itself intentionally wandered off. Our sinful nature will do that to us. So God sends you or I to go talk to our children, to talk to our neighbor. Or if it's you or I, we've wandered off and he sends our neighbors to come pick us up and carry us back. I'm telling you that likewise, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents. That's that same word for has the change of mind. God has to pick up that sheep and change its mind again with the gospel. Let's do a brain transplant so you stop wandering off. Then over the 99 righteous who have no need for repentance. So who are the 99 righteous? It's not the Pharisees. It's not the scribes who thought they earned it. It's you and I who have faith. We know we have been credited with Christ's righteousness. But you know, when people abuse this text and they say, well, you need to leave the 99 behind for me because they're demanding that we serve, they miss something. What happens when the shepherd wanders away and has to leave the 99 behind? They're left exposed to the coyotes and the wolves. Now, I'm going to talk about cattle now instead of sheep for a minute, but I noticed this when I served uh, beef farmers. You could always tell when a blizzard was about to hit in South Dakota because the herd would suddenly, of all those cows, they would come together real tight. And that blizzard would hit, and especially lots of times the young, they were put more in the middle of the, and they were kept warm, and and the herd took care of itself. This is what happens when we look out for each other, when we say there's a problem going on in the church, how can I help you? This is what happens. A good example of a picture of that would be, for example, Casper saying, what? There are brothers and sisters in Christ in Buffalo who need a pastor. Yeah, we're going to have to do without voters meetings on Sundays. We'll have to move those. But you get up there and you shepherd those people. This is what happens when brothers and sisters in Christ in in, in Cheyenne, Wyoming say, Pastor, you're going to a conference. Your church can pay the mileage for you to get to to Cheyenne. But then, because our pastor's got to go to Denver anyways, we'll cover that mileage. You can ride with him. Yeah, the sheep come together. And as we bunch together and we look out for each other, That's actually Jesus using us as his hand to take care of each other. So the good shepherd seeks the utterly lost. The hard coin that was lost. That was both you and I. And he rejoiced to bring both of us into faith. He had earned earned our salvation on the cross for us. And then those times when the devil uses our sinful nature to entice us away... He comes after the lost sheep which have wandered off and he uses our brothers and sisters in Christ and he used you and I to go after our brothers and sisters in Christ literally with the good news of salvation in Christ 
to pick them on our shoulders and carry them back to the flock. Amen. Now, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Amen.